4: Here we go. We are off and rolling, looking forward to the program today. Amanda LaFrada a little under the weather, but we will be joined by Chris Landry and Josh Ward on the program. So that should be a good time and the latest on Brew McCoy. So I want to get your thoughts. Had some great interaction with uh, several viewers yesterday. So feel free to go ahead and uh, get on board now. Give us your thoughts on Brew McCoy. I will ask you this. Please like and subscribe this video so that Amanda and I can be a part of your day-to-day. We broadcast live at 8.30 each and every day. You can check us out on YouTube. We're there as well. So, love your comments. Love the likes. Love the subscribes as well. I want to say thank you to all those that have subscribed. Let's continue to grow our YouTube channel. Go to offthehooksports.com for more. You will certainly enjoy that. So. The latest on Brew McCoy. Brew McCoy, still not eligible to this point. I know that people have tons of questions about Brew McCoy's eligibility. Spoke to one person, uh, and it was Chris Landry and Amanda encapsulated this, I thought, did a fantastic job on YouTube. And that was, he talked to USC's coaches. He said they didn't necessarily care so much if, Uh, if Brew McCoy went and played at Tennessee, and why should they? But you have to wonder about the administration end of it. Was that done as promptly as it could have been? I think that's the question. So I visited with Josh Ward of the Sports Animal. Josh Ward was absolutely fantastic, as uh, Josh Ward always is. So Josh Ward and I visited about the Brew McCoy situation Uh, And it's brought to you by Zool Beer Company. Zool Beer Company has the award-winning craft beers. That's right, award-winning worldwide craft beers and a great panoramic view of downtown. So here we visited with uh, Josh Ward, brought to you by Zool Beer Company. Talk about the Brew McCoy situation coming up. Chris Landry. And also, is Hendon Hooker calling plays? Maybe. Uh, Here is Josh Ward and his thoughts as we discuss the whole Brew McCoy situation. And it is the Ball Report with Josh Ward. I'm Dave Hooker. Uh, We want to go ahead and let you know that if you hit the subscribe button right now, Brew McCoy will be eligible. (laughs) I got it figured out, Josh. How's
5: that? Don't make promises you can't keep. Uh, Reportedly, that might have happened in L.A., and that's not gone over well in Knoxville. Yeah, click
4: on the uh, subscribe and like button if you like Josh, if you like me, if you'd like us to be a part of your Viewing pleasure from week to week. We are joined by Josh each week, brought to you by Zool Beer Company, the official craft beer of Off the Hook Sports, award winning worldwide top of beer. I mean, they're winning awards that are given out in the entire globe. It's pretty incredible and a great panoramic view downtown to hang out. Josh's Brew McCoy thing uh, just uh, kind of keeps rolling on and I mean, short of him showing up as Jerry Rice, I don't know that anybody could live up to expectations. Just your thoughts on the whole situation, the way it's unfolded. It's been bizarre.
5: Yeah, you know, that's happened in the past, too, where the expectations then rise as the wait continues with previous players. I do really think that Brew McCoy is an important piece of this offense. I would say that in the present tense because he is practicing with the team and he has been running with the ones and I think has gotten better as the month of August has gone along and shown why Tennessee brought him in. That's not to say that he's the number one receiver. That's Cedric Tillman. But Tennessee is having to replace Valis Jones and Javante Payton, and other players will have a chance to step up. But I think there's more confidence in Brew than most of the other wide receivers right now. So he was brought in for a reason, and I think that's been shown on the field. But will he be able to show up and play against Ball State or even Pitt? Yeah, David. It's just it's difficult to say. You can throw out guesses if you want to, but that's really, I think, all it is. When we're talking about an NCAA case, and Tennessee fans have enough prior cases to point to to say, yeah, we're, we just don't know. So a week to go. Tennessee's coaches I think are obviously hoping to have him out there and preparing as if he could be. But you get close to a point where, if you if you don't know that you're going to have him, you have to start planning for other players to go out there and play.
4: And you were the first to bring it up. It's been, I guess, three weeks ago now that it was towards the beginning of preseason camp. Once you get into game week, things change. Well, this is recording on Thursday, depending on when you're watching. But game week essentially starts on Friday because of a Thursday night game. I mean, you got to put a game plan in place if they haven't started already.
5: Yeah, they do. So, yeah, that's, that's part of the frustration, I'm sure, is that preparation is is going one direction and this waiting game is continuing over here with brew McCoy. And it, you know, it's something you deal with. I'm sure it's more administrative in terms of trying to get things figured out, but conversations are still happening. It, it takes time. And uh, that may sound like a minor detail, but I think to coaches it becomes a pretty big headache to have to deal with it. So, uh, but that, but there's, you know, nothing else you can really say because your know, fans are wondering well, when's this going to happen? And there is no answer to that question. And brew McCoy of course is wondering, when is this going to get figured out and yeah, you know, he, he may be able to give get some kind of idea behind the scenes but that's all it is because and until you get that official decision whatever it is okay you can play next Thursday or you know what we're going to sit you for a game or two uh, you just continue to wait and with Aubrey Solomon it was right up until the deadline and I remember the the stories of how stressful that was for him and his family trying to figure out what was going to happen and then Cade May's year was different already because it was a COVID year and it was SEC-only schedule, and it was a conference issue, not a national issue. And then Byron Young last year had to be really frustrating. And remember, on the field, there was an effect. Byron, he was transferring to Tennessee, and they were trying to get him going within the defense. Well, he didn't get to play those first couple of games, so by game number three, he's out there, but still need to get warmed up. Dave Brew hasn't played a, a football game in roughly 20 months. He didn't play last year. So it's been a long time since he's played. So you want to have him for Pitt? You want to have him for Ball State so he can get some real game reps, in my opinion. Doesn't mean he can't help in game two if he has to sit game one, but the more he can play, the better it will be to to get him ramped up and and going in this offense.
4: Yeah, I, I mean, entering game week, which Josh and I defined by six days out of the, the, the game. I th- think you do, at least I do. But entering game week, so to speak, um, if they don't know anything, I would imagine the package is going to be somewhat limited for two reasons. One, because maybe he hasn't seen as many first-team reps because they didn't know if he'd be eligible. And two, just like you mentioned, he had not played a lot of ball. Uh, if it's limited, that that's fine. But you would like for it to be unlimited by at least the Florida game.
5: For sure, yeah. Um, because I, I still would expect you're going to have to score some points in that game. You might have to against Pitt in week two. Uh, So, yeah, I would would think that they limit some things because somebody else will be preparing to start. I do still think that it helps that it's Ball State. So if you get word on Monday or Tuesday of next week, so just a couple days before the game, the fact that through most of August, Brew has been practicing and running with the first team, that it would be easy to get him out there. And that's a game where you plan to play a lot of guys. So it's a game where guys that run third team in practice at camp you still hope to get some reps within the game. So if something happens next week and they do get determination that Brew is allowed to play in game number one, he'll play in game number one, start. I don't know. I don't think that matters, but getting him out there and having him play as soon as possible will help him, will help this offense, will help Hendon Hooker because you have a senior quarterback out there that has been working on establishing connection with a newcomer in McCoy and younger players who are, Emerging, you have some some freshmen you are trying to get in the mix. So I think going into game number one, Senator Tillman, Jacob Warren, Princeton Fant, your running backs, uh, Jalen Hyatt. Uh, this is still a, a real breakout opportunity for him. That's probably where the conversation has to start.
4: Yeah, I, I want to get your thoughts on Southern California's announcement that they even did a graphic and a, a video uh, or a visual element and tweeted out and. I've I've covered a lot of these things. I know the transfer rule is very different, but I can tell you that with junior college players or even going way back, Prop 48 players, which you might not even remember, but I I can tell you that there were were eligibility issues in camp oftentimes. Calling a school, like a junior college school, was, was something that I attempted early on and got zero response because they would just say it was up to the NCAA. As far as Southern California and the way re- they responded, I came away with "He doth protest too much." What did you make of Southern California's response, USC's response to what they've done in the Brew McCoy situation?
5: Well, I found this whole thing to be odd and complicated for sure. Uh, I don't. I have not viewed this as simple as you just you just fax over a sheet of paper and they sign it and they send it back. I think that's kind of how this is being viewed. The, the um, comparison I've made, Dave, is this is not when you're in high school and you have an early dismissal form and you take it to the secretary and she just signs it and you get to go to your dentist appointment. It's it's a little more complicated than that. So with this NPO form, non-participa- non-participation opportunity form, um, I, I I look at it as, okay, you have all these bullet points Yes, the AD signs it, but there's no way that he's the one that's making the ultimate decision of whether this can be signed because you've had this legal battle with Bruce McCoy. You wonder what can happen in the future. You don't know there. Uh, you do have to turn it into the NCAA. I imagine you want it to be as accurate as possible, and somebody that you've had, you've been in litigation with previously, it becomes a lot more complicated in that case. The tweet with the graphic with the statement, they at least said, hey, we're good with him playing at Tennessee because some schools, Tennessee in the past, not with this regime but with previous, would not have gone that far. You remember cases with players like uh, Bryce Brown when he wanted to go to Kansas State? They wouldn't even release him. They wouldn't let him go on scholarship at Kansas State. And were are very serious about it. Uh, the late Aaron Douglas I, I thought was a tragic situation because I thought what Derek Dooley did was awful. So – In those situations, they wouldn't even release him to go somewhere else on scholarship. Uh, So uh, could USC have handled this better? My guess is maybe verbally in in communication, but we're also kind of going off what we hear, not what we know was said between the two parties. So I think think it's complicated. I think ultimately the NCAA should say, okay, USC's cool with him playing. He did sit out last year, and that was because of a suspension, but he sat out last year. He's transferred to Tennessee. Academ- Academically, if he's good to go, I think the NCAA should clear Brew McCoy to play in this transfer era that we're in. We've seen other players transfer multiple times and be able to play. All cases are not the same, especially to the NCAA. But uh, I think USC putting out a statement as maybe odd as it looked with a, a graphic connected to it, publicly endorsing him playing elsewhere, I think the NCAA should say, okay, he can play elsewhere.
4: Well, <clears throat> my co-host on Off-Tex Sports Demand LaFrada thought it was – Worded very specifically as to yes. not give it time. Okay. So y- you agree, it was worded. There was no real time frame given of when they filled it out. So, yes, it's not. Well, no, no,
5: no. I'm sorry. When I say yes, I thought it was worded specifically when they, um, when USC statement said that they have responded promptly and accurately. I thought that was very key because that could also mean everything in that form that Tennessee is asking us to sign would not be accurate, and that would be the issue. And uh, just to be clear, if I'm USC's AD, or flip the situation, Dave, if I'm Danny White at Tennessee and we have a player who has left and we are willing to help that player be, be ready to play right away, but my compliance office and or legal counsel says, hey, everything in that form is not accurate, you should not sign it, then I would not sign it. So I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go against advice if that's what USC's AD is receiving to not sign it, so that I can help another school and a former player who previously sued us. I just, you know, I just wouldn't do that. So again, flip the script. If a player had left Tennessee and there had been some real issues behind the scenes, and Tennessee was asked to sign a form that Tennessee's lawyer said don't sign, I don't think fans would tell Danny White to sign it
4: no and i definitely see your point there um my my, i would like to ultimately know where the fault lies because it is not like a permission slip agreed but there will be a two million dollar house sold in knoxville today that took less time than this did so there's there has to be a happy medium if you had a guess where does the fault lie NCAA Tennessee didn't provide whatever they needed. Or USC didn't provide whatever. I mean, where do you see the broken chain link?
2: Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void are prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, um, I think the
5: fault lies with the NCAA because they make right. these cases so complicated. I, I think both schools should look out in, for their, their own best interests. I think Tennessee should look out for Brew McCoy because he plays for Tennessee now. Uh, USC doesn't owe Brew McCoy anything from what I can tell. So, to, again, to be clear, I think Brew should be cleared to play based on all the knowledge that I have, but I think he should be cleared to play by the NCAA. I don't think everything should be up to USC to make that happen. And I think Tennessee should do everything that it can. And that is try to get USC to sign a form and try to convince the NCAA to go ahead and, and sign off on him playing. And that's the route that Tennessee should be aggressive in trying to get him to play. But, uh, Rarely do I think uh, a school owes the former player who left anything uh, other than helping to the helping to the best that they can without putting themselves at any kind of risk thats That's the issue like comparing this to other transfers. Well rarely have we seen, the, the player who's transferring sue his former school, you know, like, like Justin Powell is one of the comparisons recently, because he was just cleared to play at Washington state and he had just left Tennessee. Justin Powell never sued Tennessee. There's, there's no issue there between the two sides. There was a clear issue between brew McCoy and USC. So that that's not taking a side, but USC is going to stand up for itself before it helps the other party that it suspended and then sued the school. Right. So, you know, if, if a player leaves Tennessee, I'll just—I'm—I'm just, I'm flipping the script for a reason. If a player leaves Tennessee and that player had sued Tennessee previously, fans would not be saying, "Hey, do everything you can to help that player." So Tennessee fans are standing up for Brew McCoy and should, and Tennessee standing up for Brew and should, but USC is going to make sure that it it takes care of itself, and that's what I would expect as well. Yeah, and
4: you answered what I would have answered when it boils down to it—the NCAA. So. You know, they recently had, in June, I believe, 40 layoffs. And I don't know where how the money doesn't ever get to the NCAA office because there's a lot of it, but it doesn't seem to. And they just seem to be understaffed 20 years ago and in 2022. Um, That, to me, is just incredibly befuddling that it hasn't gotten better. That 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 to me is is the question mark. I mean, I, I, I literally this conversation is twenty years old, Josh. It's bizarre.
5: Well, that's why you continue to have stories and reports of what could be changing in the future with at least college football breaking away and doing its own thing. Maybe under the college football playoff um, umbrella. I don't know that they're going to make the right choices in the future, but this connection between at least college football and the NCAA, I think it's going to break up in the future. So. Yeah, it's just a mess. And and by the way, you have so many athletes out there. There's not only the Brew McCoy case out there. Uh, LSU's been voicing its public complaints about uh, its running back John Emory, and that, that's an internal thing. He's not a transfer. It's it's an academic clearance. But uh, you, you do have more cases to deal with. What what I think Tennessee hopes will help is that you have Donnie Plowman, a chancellor who is very respected both within the SEC and in the NCAA office, and maybe that will help. And Danny White and then. Administration that I think is really respected as well. So those those connections, you know, I think ultimately we'll have a chance to help Tennessee. And my guess is that this gets resolved, but I can't sit here and guarantee that it does by week one or even in even week two. Everybody's guessing, and that's that's the frustration is that it's it's been an annual conversation about getting a player cleared, and every case has been a little bit different. But this is an important player for Tennessee within the offense. That's been made pretty clear by Tennessee's head coach. I was told by
4: somebody that would know that uh brew mccoy might be the most talented player on tennessee's roster right now regardless of position
5: wow that's a statement i mean he has yeah. uh that is, that is a statement i mean that's yeah, based, yeah, yeah.
4: Off, based off high school but just
5: yeah um i think there's i think there's really high upside for what he could do considering he had uh hip procedure in the spring rehab part of the summer hasn't played in a long time and day one didn't look all that good and since then has looked a whole lot better. So that would tell me he has a chance to keep getting better. And that's something Tennessee would love to see. Now, if he has a big year, my guess is that you would probably like to go ahead and make a jump to the NFL. He's four years out of high school as a former top ten overall prospect. Uh, there's some really talented players on this team. Some of them are really young if we talk about high upside potential. But for this year's team, the 2022 team, with the chance to make the biggest impact. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say Brew still ranks pretty high. On uh, on Josh and Swain, we did our, our top 10 players on offense and on defense. And I had, I had Brew right there in the, the middle of the pack on offense. And that was before he had stepped foot on the practice field. So room to grow for sure for him. Maybe instead of the
4: hashtag free Brew McCoy, we should go with the hashtag of keep Brew McCoy. Because if he plays a limited work with me, you're already smiling. Oh, no. Uh, no. If he plays a limited amount, then Tennessee can keep him for another year when they won't have Cedric Tillman. They'll be breaking in a new quarterback. So, hashtag- are you saying
5: Tennessee's slow playing this? So he, he plays. <laughs> yes.
4: Stop. He has his breakout game against Alabama, 200 yards, <laughs> but it's not enough game tape for the Mel Coppers of the world to love him. How about that?
5: Um, I'll, I'll check with my sources on that, but I'll, I'll guess I'll get some pushback on it. Uh, Um, that's, that's my guess. I I will say my favorite conspiracy has been that, uh, Pitt, Pitt agreed to not take issue with Jordan Addison and USC. If USC would complicate things for brew McCoy, because Tennessee is going to play Pitt this season in week two. Wow. Wow. I just, There's no way that's true, but I did uh, I, I genuinely appreciated the conspiracy on that one.
4: Yes. Uh that that's good stuff. Uh, I had trouble following that one. He's Josh Ward of the Sports <laughs> Animal. It's Beth, college
5: football, Dave. It's a it's a it's a
4: wild, complicated, frustrating, frustrating, and beautiful, beautiful sport. Yeah, I would say all that's accurate. Uh Daniel on our message feed saying USC took his livelihood, referring to uh, Brew McCoy, based on what happened in PO, that's the document that was signed to allow him to be eligible immediately. Says he's in good standing with the university. So you took his money, told him he couldn't play, but he's in good standing. Puts USC directly in the crosshairs of lawsuit. Okay, so I'm not going to argue with any of that, Daniel. But here's what I would add as a flip side, if I may, and that is simply this: that He did sue the university. So we we do have to look at this from both sides. And I thought Josh did that. He did sue the university. uh, He left for Texas and came back. So in this particular instance, Daniel, I'm with you. I think USC could be in the crosshairs of a lawsuit. My guess is that Brew McCoy McCoy will make so much money playing football, he's not going to be worried about the lawsuit. But on the flip side, we do have to look at this from a a fair perspective on both sides. Southern Cal has dealt with a lawsuit. It has dealt with a player that left and came back. So are they in any hurry to help Tennessee or Brew McCoy become eligible? No, I don't think they are at all. I don't think that's the situation. All right, it's time for today's tough question. What do you expect out of one Brew McCoy? So let's get to today's tough question now. Today's tough question is brought to you by The Mattress Place. The Mattress Place, 22 years on Chapman Highway, Marine Corps veteran-owned, A-plus accredited member of the Better Business Bureau, over 225 five-star reviews on Google, a huge selection of two flip-sided Flippable mattresses like the old days. No gimmicks, just thirty to seventy percent off. So, feel free to take part in our feed via Twitter or YouTube, and I will ask today's tough question right now. Today's tough question is again brought to you by the mattress place. So today's tough question is: I believe it's going to happen this time. I feel good about the it. Hooker and
3: Amanda Lafleur. There you drinking go. my.
4: My sake, Kimosabi. oh my god, oh, those darn elements, those darn, darn production elements, all right, so today's tough question, let's talk some Brew McCoy here for a second, if we may, set aside your fandom, set aside that fantastic hooker shirt that you just bought, by the way, reduce prices, goodopticsports.com. Maybe a player of the same name. But today's tough question is pretty simple. It is set aside your fandom. Set aside the hooker shirt. What do you expect out of Ball State? Don't use the heart. Use the head. Knowing the NCAA... And the fact that Tennessee, just like any other school, has had to deal with the NCAA. So the, the fans listening here are a learned fan base. They know about the NCAA for better or for worse. They know the stupidity of it. They know what happens in the Bruce Pearl situation when you don't comply. They know that players might not be eligible forever. You know the fan base. Okay, or you know the NCAA. This fan base knows the NCAA. So what do you expect out of Brew McCoy in the opener? What do you honestly expect? I'm going to give you three options. You can vote on Twitter. You can give me your input right here. Number one, and I'm purposely vague on these because I want to get your thoughts and I want you to be able to ascertain what a huge impact might be. So the choices are huge impact, minor impact. So that's playing. So let's say huge impact, just playing. And then the last will not be eligible. So those are your three choices that are on Twitter, or you can go ahead and share on this right now jl says nothing won't be eligible to game two golly jl it's like you're reading my mind man i I really uh that's kind of where i was as of this morning when i woke up this morning i i had a weird feeling JL, we would hear something yesterday but when i went to bed last night i still hadn't heard anything when my head hit the pillow i thought to myself He's not going to be eligible for the opener. So I'm about 60-40, if I can cushion it just a little bit. I'm about 60-40. He won't be eligible. 40% he will be eligible to play, and he'll play in a limited role. As far as huge impact, I don't see how that could happen. Um, Because, A, it's ball state. So he could catch a couple of touchdown passes in the first half, but he's not going to play for long. We all know that. So, yes, he could have a significant impact, but huge impact? That's why I picked that word. I don't think he's going to have a huge impact in the opener, even if he's eligible as of noon on Thursday, uh, which as if you're watching live, he's not eligible now. This recorded on Thursday morning. So. I would have if you made me pick between the three. I would I would probably say just plain. But I feel from the people I've talked to and just the way this is unfolding, I feel like Brew McCoy is less likely to, to play in the opener than he was a couple of days ago. It's just my feel for the situation. Not reporting anything. I tell you what, I'll report to you right now. They got some darn good wings. At Viles Automotive Group and right down the road at Big Orange Phillies, they bring you each and every week uh, our fantastic Ball report with John Adams that will air tomorrow. But when you go to Big Orange Phillies, know that they have the wings. They are absolutely fantastic. Tell us about it, Mr. Viles.
3: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
0: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get the Vashti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero turn, you'll get more out of every minute, and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassie's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassie Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive.
4: Yes, it certainly is, and Chris Landry joining us now of LandryFootball.com, and we are joined by him each and every Thursday and Monday at 9 Eastern Time and, of course, 8 CST, as the kids like to call it. Chris, how are you, sir?
7: Good. Dave, how are you doing?
4: I'm well. Well, one week away in Knoxville from uh, Tennessee hitting the field, and just, in a couple of meetings yesterday uh an awful lot of excitement and i know there's excitement everywhere nobody says "Oh, we'll be lucky to win two games this year i mean nobody says <laughs> nobody actually says that even vanderbilt's probably predicting seven or eight wins
7: oh it's it's look at it, vanderbilt's trending to the best job in the country according to clark lee so i i don't know i mean hawaii better watch out this weekend
4: yeah, Nick Saban's gonna need a cruise north. Oh
7: yeah, he's he is really. He's just telling me, you know, if he just, you know, if he can get that Alabama program to where he can hold on to improve the next time he plays Vanderbilt, he'd be in good shape.
4: Oh, I, had to, uh, I, I, we don't have time to get into this, but I had somebody <laughs> mention to me yesterday, and he was an Alabama fan. He said, "You know who they'd call? They'd call Lane, but I don't think I want him." I'm like. They're not going to call Lane Kiffin to replace Nick Saban. I mean, just in 30 seconds or less, how crazy is that?
7: Uh, no, I don't think that's, that's where they're going to go. Um, Nick is going to – well, you know, a lot of it has to do when the timing is. Everybody's making that speculation, but, you know, it, it, I, I, I'm, I just use this as an example. If you think about hot coaches around the country, who was hotter than Tom Herman a few years ago? I mean, he, he's just, oh, yeah. I mean, you know, so, so the point is, is he's not, can't even find work. So my point is, is the guy that they're going to hire is probably somebody that's completely off the radar right now because he's not going to likely step down in the next year or two. So I, I think that answer of who it's going to be is going to depend more about when it's going to be.
4: Well, and let's remember Nick Saban. I thought it was a very questionable hire when he went to LSU. I
7: mean, uh, look, look, trust uh, me, I, I, I pushed hard for for LSU to hire Nick Saban back when they hired Jerry Donardo, And then, you know, I was, you know, with my background with Nick, working with him in Cleveland, I, I, I pushed the administration hard. And actually, the by the time that Mark Emmert got there and they went ahead and hired Nick Saban, I had to convince Nick Saban that the LSU job was worthy of his consideration at that point. Right. And, um, and of course, that worked out well. But um, uh, you're correct in that everybody in Baton Rouge, oh, my God, a Midwest guy, a Big Ten guy, awful fit, not going to work. No one admits to that now, but that's, that's what was going on. That's what everything. And, of course, I was – I thought it was – the greatest hire because I knew the guy firsthand, worked with him. He and Belichick and and Cleveland. I, I, you know, I was thrilled with it. And I actually did something that, that I don't do because it's hard, but I, I, you know, I, I said, I felt so strongly about it. I said, he'll win a national championship at LSU, which at that time they hadn't done since 1958 under Paul Dietz. And it's like, what? Yeah, no, because he, he not only got hired at LSU, he was the highest paid coach in the country, <laughs> even back then. Uh, I didn't uh, just, know, yeah, 1.2 million. 1.2 million is what they paid him. That was the highest paid coach in the country in 2000. We're 2022, and now it is not 1.2 million, it's 11.2 or 11.7 or whatever. So, yeah, no, it, uh, things, things certainly uh, have a way of uh, changing over time
4: want to turn to the balls, get your thoughts on a couple of different things and the Brew McCoy situation because you gave us some insight. I want to dig a little bit deeper into, uh, frankly, poor hosting by me because I should have dug a little bit deeper into something you said earlier in the week. Uh, and I want to do that. Chris's appearance brought to you in part by Craft Treats. Craft Treats, full-spectrum CBD treat. Contains minor cannabinoids that increase the benefits of CBD. So that means... That anxiety that your pet might have, whether it's car ride or storm in my particular case, or if your dog's older, like my pet, uh, arthritis, it can help with that too. So that is what Craft Treats is all about. So check out crafttreats.com. Okay, so you said something that, frankly, I didn't catch at first. And because as you might know, I've got a lot going on. But I wish I would have. um, Because you said you talked to USC's coaches. Uh, and over the weekend, even about the Brew McCoy situation. And that was about the time it was starting to percolate with Southern California releasing their uh, announcement via Twitter. Let me take a step back based off what you told me. And, and let me ask you, Lincoln Riley doesn't have the best reputation in the SEC. I think a lot of people, among fans, among fans. Does he seem like the guy the type of guy that would try to add any sort of roadblock in this sort of transfer. Does he strike you as that sort of guy?
7: No, he doesn't. Now that doesn't mean that he's not doing it, but, um, I don't, I don't, uh, that is not typically him. And they, nobody's brought in more transfers and had cooperation than them. I mean, they probably in 23, 23. Now, you know, there's big transition at places like LSU and USC, big time programs. They won't do that every year, but so I don't think so. Now, look, there's some, there, there's some, uh, I don't know. There is a little bit of, I call it sibling rivalries, uh, not among siblings like like let's just let's not be let's not sugarcoat it that that josh heibel was was run out of his alma mater oklahoma and the guy that kind of was the darling that they brought in was lincoln riley so there is a little bit of a you know um it's just human nature you know when it just a competitive nature not anything sinister but you know could there be something there? Could Lincoln have done something? I don't know. I, I, sure, anything could be possible, but I don't really get that to be the issue. My point to you was that the coach is there, and this is USC. This is not Lincoln Riley, but Bruce McCoy's been on USC's campus twice, and he's right. chosen to leave twice. There's not like, they don't look at it as, well, but we really like to keep this. I mean, they're, they're not real enamored with Brew McCoy. Just, and, again, there are two sides to a story. They recognize his talent. I don't think they really care to have somebody that's wanted to leave twice to be in their program when they're trying to build a new program and get new people there. You follow me? In other words, they, they've encouraged people at USC to leave because they want you know, to get guys that are comfortable because they're going to do things differently at USC.
4: Well, now, you that know-
7: doesn't that doesn't make, mean anything wrong with Brew McCoy or anything wrong with USC. It's just, you know, kind of people tend to want to do things and see things a little bit differently. So I don't know what that means and why the holdup is. I mean, from the Tennessee side and the media that's covering them, it certainly... Well, USC is the holdup. It very well may be. I don't have any evidence of that, but it could be. It's either that or it's the NCAA. I don't – there's no reason to think that Tennessee's done anything wrong from an administrative standpoint because they certainly are the one that absolutely wants to have him. I don't think the NCAA – I mean, they're going to do whatever they're going to do. And I don't think USC cares whether Bru McCoy is at Tennessee or Texas or – you know, just as long as he's not with them, because they they're not really they they understand the talent, but they're not really concerned about him. So I don't know that there's much there, but I don't know that Dave to be certain. I just mentioned that I talked to USC coaches not about this, but about other things, and I brought it up and it came up, and it was like kind of a not even a now this is coaches now you know so they may have a different view. People in the administration may have some grudge against brew McCoy or, you know, that, that I'm not aware of, but the coaches are like, not even given a second thought They've they've not even thought about brew McCoy as a Trojan for six months.
4: Yeah, and I discussed this earlier on the show with uh, Josh Ward and of the sports animal. You, you told me that you think that brew McCoy, as far as ability, elite ability has as much as anybody on Tennessee's roster is that fair
7: yeah I mean he was a five star and that's not why he's got elite ability but it was legitimate everybody thought he was very very talented as I've also mentioned though that doesn't mean I think he's going to necessarily be great at Tennessee he has the talent to do it there's a reason why he's transferred twice in today's world you can't put a, a scarlet letter on him and say bad guy but they've got a little bit of a reputation. They're just the folks at Texas. I mean, weren't real pleased with them. The folks at USC weren't real pleased with them. Why is that? Don't oh, no. I mean, it, it just two sides to a divorce. Um, Tennessee's really happy with them, you know, and, and, but, but that's the case. It usually is when they come there and if he doesn't do things right, then he won't be happy, but he's a, he's got a load of talent. Uh, he just hasn't done it yet. Um, and you know we'll see if he gets that chance. He will, I think. It's just a matter of time, and then we'll see what he does with.
4: It. Yeah, I, I mean, some of this ultimately has to fall on Bruce's shoulders. I mean, I, I think that it's too easy just to just to point the finger, at administration at Southern Cal football coach, at Southern Cal NCAA, whatever the case may be. To ten- same
7: same thing with Texas. I mean, you, know, you got two schools now that have said basically, yeah, you know. It's just not working out.
4: Now I will say this: I've I've seen a lot of players, and you and I talked about some of the ones we've seen really, really flip the switch. And Alvin Kamara is is my prime example. You can go for, and I know he's in an issue now, but you can go from a guy who Nick Saban really didn't want any around anymore to junior college to coming up with the right attitude, and if you have ability bingo bango you can be an nfl star the key is if you have ability chris you and i can't do that right now but (laughs) he could brew could do that but some of the blame has to fall on his shoulders want to remind you files automotive group is your home for all drivers in the knoxville tennessee area they've got the selection used cars trucks and suvs in inventory also, they can do auto financing right there on the spot, and they keep you going with their car service and repair work. That's Files Automotive Group on uh, Callahan. JL is saying that maybe since this is the second time he's left, maybe USC is slow and billing just to be a pain to brew, wasting the school's time and nothing concerning UT. I mean, that that all could be possible. At the end of the day, let's work off, a couple of different assumptions because you've been in these coaches rooms. So I'm just going to, I'm going to give you this scenario as a Friday, 8. AM and tell me how it affects what you do. So I'm going to have three different scenarios. So if we can run through these kind of quick, number one, 8. AM Friday morning. This tapes on Thursday. If you're watching live, thank you. But it does tape on Thursday. So 8. AM Friday morning. He is eligible. Boom. Done. How big of a game, a big of a part of the game plan can he be in the opener six days from that point?
7: I think uh, pretty significant. He's gotten a lot of work for him, and uh, and and so I think it's pretty easy to integrate him into the game plan.
4: Okay, Tuesday, eight a.m. You get the notice that Brew McCoy is a hundred percent eligible, good to go. How big yeah. of a? same
7: same thing I I think I think it really it really is about um more important to prepare that he's not going to be there you know just just and and, and if you if he's available you plug him in I do think you know Tuesday's fine I, I I think you miss Tuesday's practice you know you miss Wednesday's practice it's hard to get I mean you can have him in the game plan but you know not as many reps but I think you can get him in there in certain packages pretty easily, even if they decide later in the week. But they may just, you know, depending on you know conditioning and everything, which should be fine. You know, it's not like a an injured guy. You know, which is kind of the same, but different in terms of how much work has he got and how physically ready is he. This guy's going to get, you know, he's going to be in the right physical shape or should be.
4: That's interesting that you would say that because that's why I like Chris's insight because I would have thought it would have been on a Tuesday, two days before a limited game plan. But you think that what essentially is a uh, two day before practice, uh, you think that's important. So that that I find very interesting. Now,
7: yeah, now I mean, let me just say this: now Tuesday morning, you know, you don't miss practice and you you go right in. You start missing Tuesday's practice, and then it's you know, say Wednesday afternoon, you miss Wednesday's practice. Yeah a different story you're you're less likely because he doesn't have the reps and the looks against the opponent but let me just say this against ball state
4: yeah they should be okay
7: it's not that big a deal now if you're lining up and you're playing and who is it that might be playing miami i mean a, a good team not you know that's a little different situation i i think he's eligible they play him i think that depending on their the rules and their protocol. They if he doesn't practice all week because he can't, well then maybe he doesn't start. Somebody else does. But I don't think. I mean, this is not brain surgery. It's just, it's just getting him getting him on the field. Yeah, it's it's really getting him acclimated. In how you want to do it? Sit them, play them. It's not going to be that big a deal. You get into the first, you know, SEC game and it's a big game on the road and it's that's a little bit different kettle of fish to deal with
4: yeah so it's not just brain surgery it's ball state that could be their new catchphrase
7: they won't say that like that they won't say it i don't it's think, not, I don't think that not, would go over well i don't think it go over well. it's not rocket
4: science it's ball state i think there's chris i think there's something that we could work on there maybe a trademark yeah, yeah. um okay so let me let me ask you the third scenario he's just not eligible who else steps up? Because we know Cedric Tillman is is the guy, but who gets most of those snaps?
7: You, you know, I mean, I think the receiving core is really good. I think they've got three quality receivers.
4: Are you without, including, okay without? Brew.
7: Yeah, without Brew McCoy. I mean, I do. I think they're going to be good. I think just Brew McCoy gives them another playmaker, and it gives them depth in terms of injuries. So. I think they're fine. I think for them to be a different level good, Bru McCoy doing what Bru McCoy can do gives them you know, something special. Now, as we've said before, if he doesn't play well or he does he doesn't, you know, do the things, doesn't show the improved maturity. They're still going to be good. It just may not be as explosive as they could be if this guy was as, you know, on point as they're capable of doing. So that's the way I see, you know, this this offense, this this offense as a whole, and this receiving core as a group.
4: Chris, what are you hearing from Tennessee's coaches about uh, Squirrel White? Um, because when it opened when camp opened, I think everybody was very excited about squirrel and things have got gotten quieter, which, which could mean that some people think that uh, or Tennessee's coaches maybe think that the, the dog days of camp got to him. But the flip side of that is it could be that Tennessee's coaches talked about him so much early. They don't want to pump up a freshman too much, but I, I just, uh, your thoughts on, on squirrel and what he can do early.
7: Well, in, in, you know, we when we talked about him initially, we, we, and this is typically what happens: people see practice, or you know, if, if media sees it, or certain people that they allow in to see it. Boy, that's well, right's good. Boy, he's explosive. He's fast. So it's you know, it's is eye-catching. It doesn't mean that he runs right the correct routes that he understands coverage recognition that he is where he's supposed to be when he's supposed to be there. Okay. So it just, Hey, this guy flashes. Well, you need to show him. Well, yeah, you do, but he's going to need to learn and it's going to take some time. So what normally happens is you, you hear a lot of that. This guy's really explosive, has lots of potential. Just like we're talking about McCar or anybody else. That's one thing that doesn't mean he's going to be a great player. That mean he's going to be a good player. Um, that is to be determined. And I think, you know, whether it's the, the dog days of summer is, is usually cold. for he's just gone through the normal process of trying to learn things that are integral to your offensive success. And I think he can be really good as a slot guy. I think he could be really good. See, I think here's the danger with it. I think his strength is his versatility that you can line him up in different spots. But when you do that, he has to learn multiple positions. I don't think people get that. Well, he's a receiver. Just line him up here. What's the difference? It's a huge difference. You see the field from a different spot. Your assignment's different. So while he is, and people say, well, why don't they do this with and do with? Well, the, the reason most of the time is because if a guy's struggling to learn one thing, you don't want to teach him three things and really confuse them. Right. So you need to find the right niche for him initially and then grow it. And I think the best way is to kind of get him comfortable in a spot and then have him grow. It's nothing to do with a, you know, a, a point of finger at the kid. I just think it's a normal process that people get, overly excited about the skill set of a player, the explosive ability of a player, and tend to think that this guy's going to be an All-American right away. It, it usually doesn't work that way, uh, and it takes a lot of time to develop that. And uh, we'll, we'll see how quickly they can develop him and, and how quickly he can take to it. That's the variable to how much he plays and how effective he's going to be. But I think he's very talented, and I think he's very versatile, and I'm curious to see how quickly he's able to adjust it.
4: Uh, Chris's appearance brought to you in part by Pedigo of Chattanooga, locally owned store where you'll be treated like family. The region's foremost electric bike experts that put their hearts into helping you find the perfect electric bike and get the most out of it for many years to come. Cause that's, they have a service department with e-bikes. Trust me. I know e-bikes. Uh, most of the, places that you can order e-bikes online do not have a service department. So if something goes wrong, you got a problem, not with the Pedego. So go Pedego Chattanooga. And Chris, as far as uh, Tennessee and and Hendon Hooker, uh, we're going to run a, a, a bit of an audio that we had from Jacob Warren later. And it just, it, it got me thinking a little bit about how much different, Hendon Hooker must be now as of August 2022 as opposed to last year because he said this time last year he was antsy well who wouldn't be he's running out of eligibility and he's he's only, he's not named the starter so in his mind whether or not he thought this here's what he's got to do Chris he's got to he's got to overtake the starter he's got to lead an incredibly explosive offense And he's got to be one of the greatest stories in college football to get to this point. Who wouldn't be antsy back then, but not being antsy, how much does that
7: help him? And the biggest thing is learning a new offense.
4: Oh yeah. I left that
7: part out. (laughs) And, you know, you've got a lot more comfort now. And I think that, you know, confidence comes with, you know, you know what to do, you know how to do it. And, When you lead, leading, you can't lead unless guys have confidence that you as a quarterback know what you're doing. When you get in a huddle, you know, everybody thinks leading is, boy, a guy coming in and saying, shut up, here's the damn play. and that, that, That doesn't lead. If they don't believe that you know what you're doing, and that they can lead you, and you're going to lead them, and you're going to get them into the right play and make a play and get the ball in the hands of playmakers and make a play for the offense, you, you can't lead because they're not going to buy into it. It's just bravado And because I'm going to tell you what happens. If you're one of those guys that talk and you don't produce, the attitude in the locker room and in the huddle is, shut the bleep up. You, you, you know, you, you, I mean, really. it's. What, but when you are that guy and you're confident, then you can lead. Then they will buy in. They will believe in you. Now, you hear people all the time, college and pro level. You know, I love it when they ask. Um, you know, do you believe in your fill in the blank quarterback? Not many people or people are schooled enough to you know to not say, oh, he, you know, he scares me to death every time we get he gets under center. Yeah, of course not. You're going to say the good things, but to truly believe it, to truly buy in. You got to have confidence. Well, being another year in the system, he's got a whole offseason of work in it. I think he has a better feel for what to do, and the, the players around him are more confident that he does and they will go and follow him. So I think that is a big advantage that he has this year versus last year. And it's common sense, but sometimes common sense is not all that common and people don't. Think about it in those terms and just, you know, because people will say things like this, and you know this, and I know you said it, like, well, they selected the wrong quarterback at the beginning of the year last year. Well, yeah, you know, he, you can say that, but if he wasn't ready and Endon goes in and he throws five picks against Pitt and plays poorly, what does the season turn out to be then? He loses confidence. You know, my point is, is so, yeah, it's easy to say, well, Melton he overthrew everybody you know all game. Yeah, it could have been different if Ducker played them. It might might have been a different game, but it it might not have played out as the same way during the course of the year because I think that you know Hendon's had to step up. They they were you know at the time all you got to do all you have to evaluate on is how guys handle in practice until you play in games. And to that point, pretty obvious Hinton Hooker hadn't won the job in their eyes, the coach's eyes. But they went to him by basically they had to. I think they would have stayed with Mitt Longer if the play wasn't as bad. And Hooker wasn't perfect by any stretch. But he at least kind of stabilized things, and he wasn't all that good at times. But then he got better and better and better. So, you know, that's why Tennessee's one of those put something up uh, yesterday on LandryFootball.com, talking about all the starting quarterbacks. And there's still a number of, of every school in the country. And some of them are still in a battle, meaning they're going to decide between one or the other, but you don't know how it's going to play out. Tennessee's in a position now that last year at this time, the question would be, who's going to be the starter? Can he lead them? Can, now we know who the starter is and, and quarterback. And so that kind of stabilizes the most important position on the field.
4: Chris, I want to ask you a question in a weird way for a specific reason. Because I, I know your thoughts on Hendon Hooker. I know uh, you you think he's talented, but he also is a great fit for what Josh Heupel does. Because he do step in and run a West Coast offense, we don't know that. So um, I, I want to ask you specifically about the mesh. Okay, so as far as a quarterback and the offensive system meshing together, how many programs in the entire NCAA do you look out there and say they might have a better situation than Tennessee as a quarterback and offensive mesh? And I know I'm going really off schedule here, so I'm kind of throwing you a curveball. But it just does – Hinden Hooker has limitations. I don't think he gets the ball out as quickly, at least last year, as he should have. But he's a great fit for this offense. So how many guys – how many programs out there are are as good a fits from the quarterback offensive perspective?
7: Well, let's just take the SEC. Let's just start there. I mean, I think Arkansas and K.J. Jefferson's fit is outstanding. Uh, I think Alabama and Bryce Young fit's outstanding. Um, I think the fit for the, the style and the quarterback for Mississippi State is outstanding. Uh, I think there's unknowns in other spots. So those are three along with, with Tennessee and Hinton Hooker. He would be in that group where I'd put them. I don't know. I, but, but yeah, those are four right there that I think are really good fits. Now, some of them can fit in other systems and what they're in, but they're a really good fit um, around the country. There, there's some, there's some good ones that have they haven't given it uh a lot of thought in that respect. It's a, it's a really good situation, but as I kind of look and see and go over, um, you know, I think it's, you know, I I, I think there's a lot of question marks. Um, I, I I give you another one that's a great fit, but bless his heart. He may be gone for the entire year. Uh, Sam Hartman runs Wake Forest offense for Dave Clawson very, very well. He's, he's not, he's not there. So, uh, he's going to be gone. Well, maybe for the year. Um, I think, uh, those are some others that, uh, I think, you know, just jump out at me just within the league, CJ Stroud's outstanding for any offense, but really good fit for what Ohio state does. And, um, with all the guys that they, that they, uh, that they have at receiver. So, um, I think Caleb Williams is going to be a great fit at USC. Um, you know, the, the transfer over there. So those are some that I think that jump out at me and, um, hopefully that kind of get you, get you a feel for it.
4: Interesting. I, um, I, sometimes I think we need to give Tennessee fans a hug after what they've been through for the past 12 years. So let me ask you this. So on today's tough question, you might've seen it on Twitter. Today's tough question. I said, uh, you get three options. Brew McCoy in the opener will have a huge impact, just be playing, or will not be eligible. One is running away with it. Chris, do you want to guess which one?
7: He uh, won't be eligible.
4: Oh, no, it's so terrible. Tennessee fans are waiting for the other. <laughs> <You're>... well... <laughs> I mean, you, are, you are completely impartial. I consider myself impartial, but I did go to UT, and I know not everybody views me that way. So, and I do have orange on my logo. So, but you are completely impartial. Tennessee fans should be happy about this season, right?
7: Yeah, I I, I think that it is, and, and, and it's it's funny dealing with fans because as a coach and as a scout, I, I didn't deal with a lot of fans and didn't pay a lot of attention to it. But doing a lot of shows and getting to – interact with fans is a lot of fun because you see how they see it i think sometimes fans they 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 tend to maybe and and maybe it's the case with tennessee fans they're jilted a little bit but maybe wanting to say well he's not going to be there therefore if he's there it's so they they prepare for the worst they maybe think the worst so that they're not disappointed when it does happen you see, I told you, Dave. He wasn't going to be there. And if he's there, it's like, oh, great! I never thought it was, huh, you know, our luck. We finally got some good. You know, I just think people maybe think that way. Um, and you're right. And you know, I get this, I get this a lot of times because fans. They, isn't it, ended, it ended amazing? They all think everybody hates their team. Right. <laughs> you know, it's because great- and they don't, they yeah. don't get it. It's like, well, okay, so, and and I can't speak for everybody, but. To use the analogy, the political analogy, left or right, when you're right down the middle, the people that are for right thinkers think you're a leftist liberal if you're in the middle. If you're, you know, the, the leftist people think you're a, a you know, a, 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 a strong right wing guy if you're right in the middle. And that's kind of fans. If you look at it objectively and you don't really care who wins games, well, the fans don't think that way. The fans are far leaning to their schools. So if you're right down the middle, then you don't think like us. And you, you don't, well, we don't because not thinking of it as a fan. And so I think that's why people think that. So I think sometimes people take this situation like this and your poll question and say, well, I, I'm going to, you know, things don't work out. And we, we usually get, you know, the hammered by the NCAA or we don't get tri- whatever. And then, if it works out, it works out. I think that's probably where people think. And I don't know. You know, my experiences is normally at the last minute.
4: Yeah, something happens.
7: The, the, the something happens. But I don't know what the holdup is. I know that is the big media story in Knoxville, that they all know this or that. It's, there's no possible way. They're getting their information from Tennessee sources. And Tennessee's, and that's a good source to have because they're involved. And I think the Tennessee folks that are involved in this process think that, well, I mean, they either think the holdup is at USC or at the NCAA. Well, I know what's happening is the NCAA is probably telling them that, you know, we're still waiting on this and that. So in their minds, they're saying, so they're letting it be known in the media that it's a problem at USC, which could very well be the truth. Well, we don't know that for certain. I don't know it, um, and I don't know that anybody. You, most people don't normally say, "Yeah, the problem is with us." You know, you, and I don't think it is with Tennessee, as I said. They've got the incentive to get everything done and they're to to move it along as fast as possible. I think the NCAA and the USC, yeah, they don't have as much at stake as Tennessee does in this situation, and that is usually the case so i i i hope that it for the young man for tennessee they get it resolved soon but i don't have the answer as to to why even though again most people feel they do
4: chris can you hang with me for a couple of minutes absolutely
7: okay as long as you need
4: i want to get to this day in sports history uh, Chris is 29 though, so he he might not have <laughs>
7: much, yeah
4: not have much perspective uh, yeah. on that. So
7: uh, I, was, <laughs> I was 29, yeah, I was 29. I remember that fondly.
4: Yeah, but uh, this I uh, had a gentleman tell me yesterday. He said, "You're getting ready to turn 50." He goes, "I can barely remember 50." I'm like, "Oh well, I guess hope, hopefully I'll make it there one day." Big Orange Phillies is the place to go when you want great food in North Knoxville. Big Orange Phillies, casual, shouldn't mean stale, and it doesn't at Big Orange Phillies. Big Orange Phillies, I had the wings on Sunday, and they're awesome, and you can hang out a lot of space. They've got uh, karaoke, they've got live entertainment, they've got billiards, and they've got darts, and they are awesome. So go to Big Orange Phillies, and you will absolutely love it all right it's coming up it is the day in sports history it is also the one player that i'm gonna ask chris about he's got during the break to think about it that i have not asked him about on tennessee's roster that i should have and goodness gracious i've asked about a lot of players over the course of the summer so if he can come up with one i'm going to be impressed stay tuned a presentation of off sports
6: Viles here, Viles Automotive on Callahan Drive. I've been selling cars here in East Tennessee for 27 years. In that time, I've come to realize it's not about the car. It's about you, the customer. So I'm here to take care of you just like family. Good credit, bad credit, you name it, we can get you taken care of. If we don't have it, we can find it for you. We go across the country to get any vehicle that you want. And here at Viles Automotive, we don't believe in fake numbers. We just give you great deals. And as always, we want, we need, and we appreciate your business.
0: Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get the Vassy Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vassy here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassie's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassie Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive.
6: This is Steve Rain. I own the Midnight Oil and Michelin Tire Direct Service Station here in Ottawa. It's not a fancy place, never has been, but it's a clean place with clean restrooms and good folks who work here.
4: Joined by Chris Landry, Amanda LaFrada feeling under the weather, so get better soon. Chris's appearance brought to you in part by Owl's Nest Barbecue. Owl's Nest Barbecue—they want you to be successful cooking pork butt, brisket, chicken, ribs, and any other protein you'd like to try. They will set you up with the pellets, the chips, the the sauces, the rubs. It is just—if you like barbecue, it is an absolute dream Chris Landry the one player that I have not asked you about on Tennessee's roster that I should have might be whom
7: I'm trying to think about who haven't <laughs> we talked about it's probably somebody on the offensive line although we've talked offensive line a lot
4: I think offensive line's a good direction so what uh, the four uh, the four returning starters I like that a lot so um uh, you, you have oh my gosh, name just slipped my well, mind. You, Moving you, to right tackle, well,
7: you get we got with well, Crawford that's going to play at left tackle, and obviously we got Donnell Wright at right
4: Darnell, tackle. Dar, Dar, that, right. We,
7: we've talked a good bit about right. Um, so what's, and, and in the of the what's in the middle?
4: Well, what's in the middle? Th-
7: I think it's a pretty good strength. I mean, I think Spreggans, um and, uh, and and Carvin at guard are very solid, and obviously Cooper Mays I tell you. Uh, Cooper Mays is somebody, maybe because you know he's been there a while and he's been very productive, and maybe people are not concerned about him. But I don't know that we've talked about Cooper Mays a lot. Um, I mean, I, I don't remember. Uh, but but uh, he's, you know, I think he's a good anchor. And um, look, and, and you know, I think I do think this that you know uh, I, I'll say this. I mean, I, we, we talk about the tackle position. Okay, so. Something happens Cooper Mays, you know, who, you know, if you look at it, um, Carvin, uh, uh, Jerome Carvin, somebody like him is a senior that's been around. He will slide in if he goes down. And then, you know, uh, I think there's some flexibility with, with Cooper Mays that he can move, but I think Carvin is a a really good starting left guard, but he can play center. And I think that that's, so the key is who's the left guard, probably Ali Lane comes in a red shirt senior and plays. So, uh, if you have an injury um, at center, then it's going to be about who's going to replace the left guard because carbon's going to move in from there. I think that the the interior is a little bit stronger in terms of how they grade it out um, than the tackle position, but it's a very important spot. It protects the middle. It allows you, you know, to not only have success running the football, but interior protection. It's, it's much easier to block and from a quarterback standpoint, to see the edge pressure coming, then if you see it up the middle, you see it quickly in your face, but you can't do a whole lot with it, and it makes you move uh, and and throws off the timing of an offense like this. So I think the interior of the offensive line, so maybe somebody like a Jerome Carvin, who's a senior, been around for a while, he's a valuable guy because he's a two-position player. He's a starter at left guard, and he's your starter at center if something happens to Mace.
4: Uh, J.L. had a question. What we've not talked about is the defense uh, is going to improve on their tackling. Um, so he wanted to throw that out there. You and I have talked defense. I don't know if we yeah. specifically talk tackling.
7: Yeah, look, I mean, um, in a general sense, improving on tackling is difficult because you don't hit enough. I mean, it's the, it's universal in football um i think they'll improve i mean i think they'll get better i think that they've got speed on defense um but it's about of the ability to snap and wrap as a tackler and i think the linebacking core is a little bit better than maybe some people think it's my opinion uh not great but i think they're better and i think uh, i think they'll be pretty good but i think the back end is going to be important um you've got to be able to tackle well and help in the run game at safety and you've got to be able to line up and play in coverage. So, the ability to make plays and to, to in, in the secondary is about being able to match up, line up correctly, play good uh, technique, uh, and being able to switch off correctly. Um, the play at linebacker is about being able to fill, to be able to not overrun, to bring your feet and in snap and rap as a tackler i think up front they're pretty good at linebacker while they make plays in pursuit i think being able to tackle inside is the one area that i think they need to improve upon
4: great question by joe that i asked you recently joe i would encourage you uh, please subscribe by the way and like because all kinds of videos one just went up uh, with chris yesterday in which we talked about i believe tennessee's defense but uh, there was one on Tennessee's offense as well, but Joe had a, a very a very good question about the interior of the defensive line. Because Amanda makes fun of, of me because I use the term war daddies. When I say war daddies, I'm talking about those big 300-pounders that have a good feet, that can move, that play defensive tackle. That's, that's just me. I, somebody said that, and that stuck. What do you think of Tennessee's the interior of their defensive line?
7: Well, I think uh, Amari Thomas is a good player. I think he can be better and more of a factor. Um, I think that, um, you know, they'll miss Butler. I thought he was was a really good player. But I think the key is going to be Garland. Um, And then even the young guy, Bryson Eason, Um, those are the guys, the guys that are going to play opposite Thomas. So if Thomas can be as good as I think he can be, just pretty solid, not great, pretty solid. I think that uh, the other one's a little bit up for grabs. I mean, uh, in Eason, you've got, um, you know, a guy that moved pretty well and he kind of ate his way uh, into a defensive tackle's position. You know, he started off early in camp and, you know, he's got some short area quickness and balance and body control. He's got all the tools. He's just got to – He's, the light has to go on that a defensive tackle, it's the unsung position. I mean, it is a, you got to eat up blocks and you, you got you to like to take a beating. I, I don't know if he has that type of mindset yet. And we'll see if he, can, uh, if he can develop into that. But I think Garland is the key. And then, of course, the depth that Eason and, and Simmons and, and uh, John Terry and Amari McNeil, uh, which is the redshirt freshman and the two freshman. Can Jordan Phillips help him? I mean, those type of guys in the rotation are important because here's the thing to understand, again, with the pace of this offense, with playing as many snaps of defense as you're going to play, very often in the fourth quarter, your backup players are better than your starters because your starters' legs are tired. So what you give up in terms of experience, fresher legs can help you. So the ability to spell guys at certain points or finish games is going to allow your frontline guys to be on the field for more important snaps, third downs, maybe end of games. So I think the depth is going to be really important. It always is for everybody, not just injuries, but you're going to have to rotate these guys a little bit more, uh, so that they can stay fresh because that's the key and oftentimes they just weren't really effective in certain situational defensive uh, pressures.
4: Very, t- very true. Chris, it is time for this day in uh, sports history. so we will do that and I've got uh, an interesting football angle that I'm going to throw at you this day in sports history is brought to you by city Heating and air conditioning city. know that they are about integrity and honesty. So you don't want the people that says that they're going to do the HVAC service thing for $29. And then before you know it, they say you need to spend $10,000. That's not city heating and air conditioning. City, heat, and air. Today's tough question.
0: We do our research. Have you done your research? We're working
3: like heck. Today's tough question. What's the real debate?
5: You sipping my
3: soupe Guadalupe? (coughs) Exclusively on Off the Hook Sports with Dave Hooker and Amanda LaFrada. You drinking my sake, Kimosabi? Oh my God.
4: So we reset today's tough question, which is at about 69% that Brew McCoy will not play at all. And then more appropriate, appropriately, I will click on the correct element, which is this day's sports history, Chris. This day
3: is sports history. Putting Things in Perspective, exclusively on Off the Hook Sports with Dave Hooker. You're so old. When you were a kid, rainbows were black and white. And Amanda LaFrada. Two kids on the block just called. They wanted (laughs) you as a backup dancer. All
4: right, we got there. All right, so we did have one question that I want to get to, JL, the Ohio State transfer, before we get to this day's history. Andre Turrentine, I think people think that he's just going to step in and be a starter. Can you give me your thoughts on him before we get to uh, this day in sports history?
7: Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't know that that's going to be the case. I think he's going to play. I think he's going to, to me, um, be a factor. I think that uh, you'll see him. I think they'll play him behind Flowers initially, and I'm curious to see where where he goes from there. But he's got a lot of talent um it wouldn't surprise me that he's starting at some point i don't know about week one uh we'll see i would expect flowers and mccullough at uh, free and strong but, but those positions are interchangeable but i would certainly see some in three safety sets he'd be the first guy and eventually i think he'll be one of the, the starting duels. i'd say
4: take me back chris <clears throat> would you consider yourself a wise man when you were 20 years old
7: no, no, no. I, I thought I was wise, um, but uh, no, I wasn't. But yeah, I was so probably probably a little bit more leveled and mature than most. Because at twenty years old, I was. Let's see, was it was I like twenty when I was a walk on football player at LSU, or had I flipped to coaching? Was I'm trying to figure out the exact year, twenty twenty one, when Bill Orangebarger told me. You'd be a better coach than a player for us. <laughs> well,
5: I I
4: partied.
7: So I was a little bit mature, Now, I wasn't a partier. I was. You know, I went When I, I was, was twenty,
4: 20 I, I I had a pretty interesting reputation. Let's just say that.
7: <laughs> oh, that's, and I'm
4: going to leave it at that. But uh, that 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 is that is in days past. So is Las Vegas. Um. So one place I never need to go again. Dwight Gooden, twenty years old. Becomes the youngest pitcher ever to win 20 games on this day in 1985. And I you remember yeah. A, yeah, you talk about a guy that even if you didn't like baseball, that Mets team, you oh, knew man. who Strawberry was. You knew who Gooden was because they were just – now it's come out later that they had all kinds of problems, which often happens. Well, let me ask you, what football player have you seen – flash early and I'm sure there's a lot, but what one stands out that flashes early and you think, wow, this guy's gonna be a Hall of Famer, and then it falls off in this particular case it was drugs, but falls off for whatever reason. Anybody stand out to you that oh, Mike is gonna be a generational player.
7: Yeah, uh know. and and look, he had a pretty good career. You know, he yeah, just he, wasn't wasn't what but I'll give you – there's a whole bunch of them in football. But I would say that Marcus Dupree – Marcus Dupree was – God, was he something. Man, was he – he was something. Came out of Philadelphia, Mississippi. Everybody wanted him. What a recruiting battle between Texas and Oklahoma. I mean, everybody recruited him, but that's – he went to Oklahoma. And he was – you know, he was unbelievable. And he went back then. They just put him as a true freshman. He was eleventh on the depth chart at running back. Within three practices, he was already up to one. <laughs> he was unbelievable. And there's a whole litany of issues. Uh, some heavy influences from, believe it or not, a preacher from Mississippi, where his home. And 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 it just he just never that's what we talked about we talked about with the players and um you never know if their heads on straight or whatever now look he just never made it to pro ball look this guy was one of the few players that i don't certainly not emotionally but physically you'd look at and say man this guy could come into the nfl pretty quickly ironically another oklahoma running back uh, adrian peterson was one of those guys now adrian was the real deal and he he was a great player and he played it. But Marcus was a what could have been great one. And for short stretches, he was, but didn't last at Oklahoma well and moved around and you know played in the USFL a little bit, got opportunities in the NFL, just never amounted to anything. And um, he blew up. Speaking of that, he looks, you know, last time I saw him, he looks like a nose tackle. I mean, he's old and, you know, but he just he just. Yeah, that's a that's one that he he could have been. I mean, you're talking about the greats. You're talking about Bo Jackson, Herschel Walker, ish type guys. Wow, this guy had it. I mean, speed and size in an era where you could be mean, Earl Campbell, you name the greats. He was every bit as talented, but uh, never never realize
4: that potential well jl referenced great 30 for 30 on dupree yes. JL, i gotta i gotta be honest with you i saw that one and i didn't know what chris just said about and I, I trust chris when it comes to football implicitly so when he tells me he's that good i'm gonna go back and watch the 30 and 30 because i didn't watch the whole thing because i didn't know that he was that elite i thought he oh, was yeah. probably very good okay so i want to check that out honey if, me- if, if, if,
7: uh, out, of, out of high school in in well over 40 years of doing this, he'd be on one hand of the best high school players I've ever seen ever, ever, ever.
4: Wow. On one hand.
7: Uh, on one hand. I mean, he's, he's, just wow. he's one of the absolute all time, all time. I mean, Herschel was dominant in a class A school. Bo was great. Um, OJ Simpson was unbelievable at San Francisco Junior College and I'm just talking running backs now um Adrian Peterson's great you know Marcus Dupree was as good as any of them and just you know and it, it, I, I would encourage anybody I, I did see the 30 for 30 um, kind of living it um, but that was one of those things man you they camp out and lived in his in his hometown. <laughs> It's tough when you got to spend months to Philadelphia, Mississippi to get this one guy. Uh, No, I would encourage you and anybody else to go check it out um, and read about it or wherever you get your, you know, just learn a little bit about Marcus Dupree. What a what a talent, what a what could have been type story.
4: No doubt about it. Um, I think I'll sit down and watch it with a cup of Honeybees coffee. Honeybees is the The absolute best coffee you're going to find, and you can order it online. Uh, If you go to Honeybee's, um, you are going to the locations you're going to find. uh, Well, let's say not pretentious like that other place. Go with the bees, not the bucks, because you're going to enjoy Honeybee's. And Honeybee's is fantastic. They've got locations in West Knoxville, South Knoxville, Westtown Mall and Sevierville. Again, you can order it all online. And if you like coffee, that's the way to go because it's the top 5% of the beans in the entire world. That's pretty strong. It's actually a research adventure that uh, Norris of Honeybee went on to find the best beans of coffee. And I'm not a big coffee drinker. I sat there with Norris and had three cups and enjoyed every single one of them. So... Uh, Chris Landry, we need a complete breakdown of Vanderbilt, Hawaii for this weekend. No, I'm kidding. I don't, I don't want any. I don't any that.
7: Check it out for LandryFootball.com because I got one for you. I've got I've got all the games. I've got the breakdowns. What Vanderbilt's looking at, <laughs> what their roster looks at, and what Ohio. You know who's the coach at at Hawaii now, huh? Let me remind folks. It's June
4: Jones. I don't know.
7: No, no, no. It's Timmy Chang. Remember the quarterback? Yeah, you know, because they ran out Todd Graham. But remember Timmy Chang? You know, Wait, played... I
4: think he. I think he was one of the t- Tennessee had like six years of incredible spring practice running backs. Was Timmy Chang one
7: of those? No, 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 no. no. The the quarterback at Hawaii. He played at Hawaii. Uh, uh, with, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, in, in but he's back at his alma mater. And um, that'll be a nine thirty Central. Wow, that's ten thirty in uh, in East Tennessee. In so, the morning? T- no, no, no. At night. At night. At night. It's gonna be. Uh, it's gonna be on the TV. What do, what do I have it? It's the CBS Sports Network. But yeah, if you you're looking for that, um, I got the. I do have the breakdown. It's the film room breakdown of all the games this weekend. Including uh, Vanderbilt, Hawaii. So check that out. We'll have that every week. All the games broken down on Landry Football. So for you, for you, put a couple of bucks on it. You know, I'll make the picks and everything. Uh, check that out every week. Jason,
4: Jason said, being about the only game for the entire weekend, I'm likely to watch Fandy. Jason. Hey, look,
7: look, underrated game is Nebraska Northwestern. That's earlier in the day, and it's, uh, that's going to be 12-30-30 you know, right afternoon uh, on Saturday. So maybe that fits more of people's sleep schedule than 10.30 at night on the East Coast.
4: The guy that I cannot remember his name, and I've got a hooker T-shirt for anybody that can message it to me in the next 60 seconds. He played running back and was the cat's meow at Tennessee for spring practice, which seemed to always happen because they wouldn't use their regular running backs. There was like a Kirsten Figures... They were like guys that you'd never heard of. There were walk-ons that would tote the mail most of the time. But there was one that actually said, I'm going to leave and not be a spring practice star and went to Hawaii and ended up a starter. And I cannot remember. You're talking the- about a
7: running back though, but Timmy was running a back. quarterback. So uh, I'm, I'm trying to think there. That. That's a good question. I don't uh, I have to think about that. I'm trying to remember who that would be. Um I, 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 will, I don't I don't really remember that.
4: Uh, I will text you at some point. But I do will that, do run. that, because I uh,
7: when you do, I'm going to say, oh yeah, but I don't, I don't. Uh, doesn't ring a bell. So really good spring, really good spring, but transferred to Hawaii.
4: Yeah, there was there was a period of there where uh, Tennessee literally had probably five years in a row of Heisman Trophy winners at spring practice. <laughs> they didn't they didn't win right. it they didn't win in the fall, but right. they, they won it in spring camp. Uh get better, Amanda Lafrada. He's Chris Landry. If you don't go to LandryFootball.com, you don't know as much as your friends do about football. I'm Dave Hooker. This is a production of Off the Hook Sports. Thanks for listening. Have a fantastic day, evening, morning, whenever you might be tuned in.
0: With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.